Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, hey, are you looking for new ways to make money as a blogger? If so, we have got your back. We have launched an ebook called Conversations on Monetization. Inside this resource, we take your favorite podcast episodes about monetization and we put them all in one easy, accessible package. We threw a few exclusive interviews in as well. Friends, there are so many ways to monetize your food blog. Inside this ebook, we have interviews with success stories like Todd Bullock, Alyssa Brantley, Kelly McNellis, Jenna Carlin, and more. All of these examples have become successful through completely different monetization strategies. Whether you are a brand new blogger looking for your very first revenue stream, or you are a seasoned pro wanting to diversify, this ebook is for you. Go to eatblogtalk.com to grab your copy, and we can't wait to hear your success story with monetization. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This podcast is for you, food bloggers wanting value and clarity to help you find greater success in your business. Today, I will be having my second Eat Blog Talk interview with Kate All from Simple Pin Media, and we are going to talk about setting Pinterest expectations in 2021. Kate All is the owner and founder of Simple Pin Media, a Pinterest management and marketing company. She helps businesses use Pinterest to reach more people. She also hosts the weekly Simple Pin podcast for those who want to DIY your Pinterest marketing. Kate, I'm so grateful that you're here again. It's so good to talk to you this second time around. Uh, Before we dive into Pinterest, I know everyone's dying to hear about Pinterest, but we also want to hear your second fun fact. Uh, First, I'm so excited to be here too, talking about this. Um, My fun fact is during the time of COVID, and I've always known this about myself, but it has really had a resurgence. I love puzzles. I love them. And I love thousand piece puzzles. And they are probably one of the most relaxing things for me and help me like organize my brain as I do them. So in this last year, and I used to love them as a kid, but in this last year, I just think that they are the best. (laughs) I think you're not alone with that. I'm guessing that a lot of people dove into puzzle creations, right? Yeah, I actually did hear that a lot of puzzle companies were seeing like tremendous growth because in like crochet and embroidery and all of that, these things we could do at home. And I totally get it. I think if you're a person who likes to like organize things or like I just put a podcast in and do it for a little bit of time and it's delightful. It's a way to just disengage your brain, I think. And it's like you go on autopilot or something, your hands take over and you're just putting something together and it allows you to think. So I'm with you. I did create a puzzle too during quarantine and I'm sure many people listening can probably say they did the same, Yes, but love it. (laughs) What was your favorite puzzle? Did you have like one design that was just amazing? Yeah. And I, I figured out what designs I do like. My daughter kept picking like these Thomas Kincaid ones that are like really brush strokey. And I was like, these are killing my eyes. Number one. And number two, they're really hard. 
I found this um, company. It's on Amazon Flow Puzzles, and they're really bright and just really cool design, kind of like Rifle Paper Company. So I realized I like that brighter design. It's much more appealing. And just this last weekend, I went to a little local store because I wanted to support local and bought a really pretty like world puzzle with bright flowers. So bright is the way to go. I don't like the muted. So I've done them. I've done them all. But that that seems to be where now I'm becoming like a puzzle connoisseur like wine. I'm like, I like this one. It feels kind of geeky. But, you know, some people are really into books. I can do like a thousand piece puzzle in like three days. Like it's just, and I don't want my kids to do it with me. How bad is that? I'm like, so are you one of those that's like, no, I put this together. Step away. It's my puzzle. hundred percent. I will, if they pick it out, I will do it with them. And they've since wanted to like glue their puzzles together and stuff. But if it's mine, like I, yeah, I'm not sharing. It's mine. It's like Step my water. Away. Like don't drink out of my water bottle. That's mine. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's super funny. Um, okay, Pinterest, Kate, Pinterest is crazy. I mean, I shouldn't say that because I actually love Pinterest. I've always loved Pinterest. I still love Pinterest. No hate from me. But it was weird in 2020. There was the emergence of the story pins. And I felt like every time we kind of had a handle on what was going on and maybe came up with a new strategy, things would shift. And on top of that, we had COVID and uh, quarantine and all of that to deal with. And I don't know, I just feel like it was kind of an unusual year. And I don't think I'm alone in thinking that. But now we're in a completely new year. 2021 is here. And I do realize that you are not a Pinterest fortune teller. But what are your thoughts about this? How can we strategize with Pinterest in the coming months and in the coming year? Yeah, I think I think to answer that question, it's important to look back at what you just said, what happened in 2020. And I think we saw this doubling of Pinterest users. Pinterest said internationally, they grew by 37% in users. And we saw them go from like 280 million to like 480 million. Like it was just this huge jump, right? And then what we also saw is that introduction of all these new features on Pinterest, which were good. And we knew they were going this direction, which is to help keep people in their ecosystem longer, because that helps their ad rates, it makes them look appealing to any kind of company wanting to advertise. So we did know that was coming too. But what they threw in there was this um, controlled distribution algorithm change. And what it basically was to say that, hey, we know that not everybody is looking at story pins. We know not everybody is looking at video pins. But once they give us an indication that they've either clicked on it or looked at it, that tells us they're interested in it. So we're going to start dripping it into their feeds a little bit more. So what we saw was that people who were, let's say food bloggers, who embraced the story or video pin tend to get some good you know, really good headwind with it. They got not only an increased number of followers, they tended to get more direct traffic and they were seeing some good engagement. The same with video. We tended to see those people kind of take rise. Well, people who are having trouble wrapping their brains around story pins and how they were going to look or doing video pins, they were just sticking with this kind of static pin, um, which is just a regular pin, right? They were just regularly pinning. We did saw their tra- see their traffic decrease because there wasn't that diversification. So if I had to give any plan for 2021, it's diversification and really getting creative 
with your marketing and being really focused on who you're trying to appeal to. And I think this was such an aha moment for me and even my business is that sometimes I think we get so conditioned to our tactical elements and playing to an algorithm that we actually forget we're, we're really still serving a person over there. There's somebody on the other side of the screen who's searching for something that we create or a recipe that they need from us. And I see the people who are both diversifying and serving tend to be leading out front. And I, I know that's tough for people to wrap their brains around, but that's really what I think for 2021. It's funny how it all comes back to that all the time, isn't it? Like no matter what platform we're talking about, we go through, it seems like struggles and challenges and trying to figure out what's going on. And it all comes down to that. What does your audience want from you? And that's the case with our blogs. That's the case with Google. That's now the case with Pinterest. For so long, Pinterest was not like that. It was a place where I could go and just put like one pin and it would get crazy traction. And I didn't know who I was serving at that point. But it's not like that anymore. Everything is coming down to like what, first of all, who is your user and what the heck do they want from you? And really focusing on that. And it sounds so easy, right? But like, what if somebody doesn't know how to do that on Pinterest? Where do they start? Yeah, this is great. Because one of the things uh, that I'm doing is I'm kind of getting into that brain, like every single week, spending two hours, just digging in on my account and kind of wrestling through it. Like, okay, what does it look like to create a story pin? How long does this take me? What I like about story pins is if you have something that's an easy, simple step-by-step -step recipe, it hooks people in pretty easily because it's easy to do. So I'm in the B2B space, so I won't talk as much about what like I do, but I'll kind of take it and frame it on what I think a food blogger should do. I think don't try to knock it out of the park and stay really singularly focused on your branding, your look, what you have. And I think the time that we get discouraged is we go look at somebody else's and we're like, ah, mine just sucks compared to that. But we're not worried about that because nobody else is putting yours side by side with somebody else. So I think number one would be if you've never done a story pin before, just do it ugly. Just do it. And that really the hardest part is just doing it. And I get it. It's like, I use Canva. So you have to go into, you can make them in Canva or you can just have the pictures and you can simply make them on Pinterest too. You just, you know, just play around with it. So I would say that's the number one thing who's somebody who's never done this before. Just take your most popular recipe and turn it into a story pin. That's it. And if you get good results, do not expect that every single time. I get a lot of feedback from people who say, I did three story pins, they were incredible, and then my fourth one was horrible. Well, that's kind of the way any social media platform works, right? So just keep going, and I would suggest one to two per week if you have that bandwidth. After you've created those one to two story pins per week, you want to keep up with the static pins that you have, the regular pins. And those regular pins are just, they're just like the bulk and the foundation of your Pinterest strategy. It's like you're constantly feeding this content onto Pinterest but with the exception that things look a little bit different now. So Pinterest has come out to say, we love that you're creating a lot of new fresh images. We think that's amazing. However, 
we don't want so many for the same post. So what we saw back in 2018, when Pinterest said, we want fresh images and a fresh image equals a new pin. Well, they've now come back to say, well, actually a new image to the URL is just, that's a fresh pin right there. You can't create more images and that will be seen as a new pin every single time. That was a big realization for a lot of people and kind of overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this now? Like, how do I spread out my images on Pinterest? And what I think we came away with, the answer was really less is more and not the old mentality of how do I get so many pins onto the platform that everybody sees them? I think you try to make two pins, three pins per URL that are really good they're really different. So you might get a different angle. Somebody might engage with it uh, in a different way. And then you, I hesitate to say how many to schedule per day, because I think everybody's different, especially somebody who's new and just starting out with their food blog. They're not going to be able to pin 25 times a day. And so I want them to be less focused on the time per day and more focused on, am I able to get my pins out onto Pinterest to all these different boards and then supplement with some story pins. And I think video pins are a great thing to have right now, but I know they're really tough. I know they're tough for me. So that if I was somebody who was a solopreneur, I was doing this all by myself, it would be really tough for me to try to learn to do video. So it's good to incorporate, but if we're just talking to the person who's totally new, I would say, just try one to two story pins per week and then the rest do of regular pins. Have you seen much traction with the Jump Rope app? I know they are like a new app for food bloggers, not specifically for food bloggers, but I know a lot of food bloggers are using the app to create kind of these very easy videos and they're uploadable to Pinterest and they are seen as a video. And I've done a few and they seem to do really well. So that's a, like a super easy way for someone to create a video without getting all of the production gear out and the cameras and, and editing. And it, sh it took me like 30 minutes to make my first one. It was super simple. Oh, and I just, you, okay. I took video on my phone and then you upload the videos individually to the app, um, to the, it's called the jump rope that you're making. And then that is viewed as a video to Pinterest. So that is kind of an easy cheat, a hack, if people are yeah. interested in checking that out. And it's not like super high quality. I mean, it for sure doesn't rival actually creating a video with your camera and going through that whole thing. But I don't know if a lot of people really care. So just wanted to mention that. Well, and I think that's a, I'm so glad to hear about that. I haven't tried it. I like it. I've heard of people taking and repurposing TikToks and then also repurposing like an Instagram story, like a 15 second story um, and turning that into something on Pinterest because it's also seen as a video. And I think where we have seen this rise of TikTok and people kind of putting some of those on Pinterest and Pinterest has said this, like, we don't want your perfectly curated content. But I will say what we are seeing in the data is that people are gravitating sometimes towards more beautiful pictures than they are. The joke is, you know, the naked chicken breast. It used to be <laughs> everybody loved a raw chicken breast on the counter because it felt approachable. But those are kind of being pulled back a little bit. So I think this is where I think is going to be the really good 
um, focus for 2021. It's tunnel vision with your audience by looking at your analytics to see what are people actually clicking on? What are they saving? What are they telling me that they like? And that could be a little bit different than your Google user or even your Instagram user. But if you're really looking to figure out what works for Pinterest, you might start to see a theme in some of the things that people are clicking on as they come to your site or what does get great engagement with the story pin or like you said, the video with jump rope. I think it's it's throwing out all these ideas that I think have been lingering for us of how to do Pinterest over the last couple of years and looking at it in a new way, which is hard. I mean, it's hard for me. You know, we have 125 clients that we manage for like to think about getting all of that on page and thinking differently is hard. But as we look at the iterations of all these social media platforms over the years, they've all had migrations. I mean, we can't do the same thing we did on Facebook. It's just not possible. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of the game is just being able to adapt because things are always going to be changing. There's never going to be a point in time when we're like, oh, look at that. Pinterest is set. We're good to go for the next 10 years. That is never going to be the case. (laughs) And I think, I know that would be lovely, (laughs) but that's not realistic. That is not feasible. Um, So we need to just expect that there are going to be changes. I think that's part of the frustration is that people get settled with like a new strategy and then they think, okay, we're good. I can breathe. And then something changes and they're like, what? Like what happened? And it's, it's, it shouldn't be that surprising. I personally expect changes. I try to roll with it, but I think that comes with the territory of having been a blogger for a really long time. So I think this affects newer bloggers. They're like, whoa, what, what, what just happened? This is not the old Pinterest. It's not how it used to be. So I think that's a lot of it. And then just what you're saying too, Kate, is what are people liking from you? And it's so simple to figure that out, right? You just scroll through your analytics, scroll through your um, created feed on Pinterest and look at the numbers. I can, I'm looking at mine right now and I see like the hamburger helper that I posted, not many people looked at that. Um, my story pin for healthy breakfast muffins. Oh my gosh, that was that went crazy. So just kind of like taking mental note. And do you recommend recording that, like writing that down and tracking yes. it over time? Yeah, I do. And as you're doing, here's an interesting thing to note that we have seen kind of since last April is that the first pin that you pin to the platform tends to hold the most engagement. And so we want to make sure that when you pin your very first pin, it goes to a board that has that same keyword. So what was the one you said just went super well with your story pin? Uh, The healthy breakfast muffin. Yeah. So if you put that on a breakfast recipes board, that's really helpful for Pinterest to know where to show people, even if they don't follow you, because they might have searched breakfast recipes or even breakfast muffin or whatever. So that helps the algorithm know. And once you go through all your stats, we recommend just using a basic spreadsheet. I'm not fancy at all. So I do like a few tools that we use for analytics. I know that Google just came out with the new G4 analytics and we're advising people keep both the old analytics, the universal and keep the new with the G4 because you want to keep all that data instead of trading one for the other. 
And we like Google Data Studio for dashboards. So that's primarily what we use. So we look at some of those numbers and then just put them in a basic spreadsheet. We look at followers. We look at the top 10 pins that were driving the most clicks. We look at the top 10 pins that were saved because sometimes those are different because pinners might not always want to take action right away, but they might have recipes they want to save for later to all these boards. So look at the clicks, look at the saves, and then you can look at the impressions too to see, you know, how many impressions did things get? Story pins get a lot of impressions and they have impressions uh, I think it's like swipe throughs is one of them, like showing the close-ups and then saves. And I will agree with you. All of my story pins that I upload do great. I mean, they really do fantastic. And that's good for um, awareness and branding. And here's a little tip for food bloggers that I think as we go into 2021, I think brands are going to be ready to spend money again. They're going to be ready to do sponsored posts with you. And I think if you want to throw in a story pin for that brand, because brands are always looking for impressions and awareness, and that's a really great value add that they might not understand yet. So throw that into your media kit or your package that you're going to sell with them, because that could not only help you, but obviously also help them and inflate some of the numbers a little bit with the impressions. Okay, that is not something I had ever thought of. I love that tip because, like I just said, my story pins go crazy on Pinterest. I have a lot of followers on Pinterest, and that would be attractive to a brand. I feel like I don't have much else to offer a brand because I have a really low Instagram following. Um, My blog traffic has been all over the place over the years. So, but that I do have, and I absolutely love that. I never would have thought of that. And you know what else it does is I don't, the monthly viewer number on Pinterest is a highly debated number. I don't love it because it's like a compilation of stats, all the stats over the last 30 days. But that is something to where if you get into this habit of doing story pins, it will inflate that number just a little bit to where that can be presented to brands because they're interested in, they're interested in those numbers, which is fine, but it can help um, increase not only your follower number, but increase your monthly viewer number, which, like I said, will be lucrative to brands. Love that. And you mentioned so one to two story pins a week minimum. Is it like the more you do, the more traction you're going to get and the more love Pinterest is going to give you? Or is it just like you need to do a minimum? No, I think what we're seeing, kind of what I talked about in the beginning with that controlled distribution, what Pinterest is looking for is, are the pinners going to interact with these? And once they do interact with them, we're going to show them more. So there's two places, one on the mobile app, when somebody opens, you know, at the top, we have those bubbles now that look like Instagram. We haven't seen any data yet as to how people are interacting with them, but we know that those are people you follow so you can see them. So some people are clicking on those. It gets that in front of them there. But also what Pinterest does is they take cues from the saves and the swipes like they do a static pin from the saves or the clicks. And it gives them an indication that that person is interested in that particular topic. So their first will pull from that same content to show people. So it's kind of like um, if Susie like engaged with your story pin for the first time, they Pinterest might show them your second story pin. 
And so you might get that re-engagement with that same person again, because they're trying to get them used to it. They want them to engage with story pins. So it's kind of like Pinterest is saying, we want your story pins, give us all of them, and then we'll show them to people. So I think that's why we have this, you do five in a row and they do really well. And then all of a sudden you get one that just doesn't do well. That's what we tell people, keep going. Don't let that one stop you because we think that the story pin thing is going to build over time. And I also think at some point we're going to be able to make ads with them. And who knows if they're going to do the swipe up like Instagram does. Like I, there's a lot of possibility with Pinterest story pins, but they are, I'll say this. They're very different in the sense that on Instagram, you know, you can talk about yourself and you can just like, you know, do your face or whatever. You don't really want to do that on Pinterest yet. You still want to make it all about them. What's the recipe how can you serve them instead of talking about you as an influencer? Because Pinterest, they don't care. They don't care about you. Yeah. <laughs> they just care about themselves. Right. <laughs> Have you heard anything about users being frustrated with story pins or are they mostly accepting it and loving it, loving them? Yeah, we have heard some frustration, especially with the fact that they don't link. Well, I've even had comments on some of my story pins, like, why don't these link? I think there's, it's a training of the audience a little bit. And we've had them in full, they've been out of beta and now they're being rolled out in the UK too and other international areas. So I would say, yes, they might be frustrated, but Pinterest is still going to keep pushing them out there. They're forging ahead, it seems like. (laughs) They're really standing behind it. Yeah, I mean, I think... They don't require a ton of time to create. They're really easy. I mean, you can, like you said earlier, you can do everything within the platform. And we've already got all the images for our recipes. So just text overlay. And I mean, 30 minutes, if that, maybe even less. And the more you do, the quicker it can go. And then a lot of food bloggers, too, I started doing this, um, are putting an end, kind of like an end card on this story pins so that you can say, hey, if you want the full recipe, go to my blog and here's what it's called. And you can do that really easily in Canva and just use the same one. So that's a little tip to to get people over there because I too have had a few people say, wait, how do I click? And we have been putting the URL within the description But then people have to copy it and paste it. And people are used to being able to click over. So I think it just adds that one little step where they're like, wait a second, why can't I get Mm -hmm. the recipes? So I think it's just a matter of time, right? And Mm -hmm. getting people used to it a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. And we put that at the end of ours, like get more tips for marketing on Pinterest at simplepinmedia.com. I've also seen people put, um, go to Google and search Simple Pin Media. You know, that's a good idea. You can't copy the URL off the image. You can't, it's really hard on your phone, right? So if you do that kind of prompt, like go to Google, then they're like, or go to your favorite search engine and search my site name. That is actually easier. And I did also, there was a recipe that I wanted really badly and it looks so good. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want the recipe. So I went to the profile I searched around and they were doing a lot of story pins, which was great. But then I ended up going to the site and searching that recipe because I knew what it was called and finding it and making it. And I think pinners, if they want something, they will go on a search. So don't just assume that it doesn't link that people won't, if they love it, they won't pursue it, which is why I think some direct traffic 
ends up increasing when you start doing story pins. Oh, interesting. That's a good way of looking at it too, because yeah, I've been there. I've been at that place where I'm desperate. Like that looks so good. I have to make that this weekend and I will search for 10 minutes if I need to, to find it. I think everyone has that um, Mm -hmm. experience. So just, I like the idea of just saying like, go to, you know, your website name and search for instead of providing a URL or just providing other options for the user so that they, yeah, I didn't even think of the mobile thing, duh. But yeah, if they're on mobile, how in the world are they going to type in HTTPS colon? You know, <laughs> that is right. not realistic. Exactly. They're not going to do that. They're just no. going to put in the name of you or the recipe. Right. Okay. I like that. I That is very valuable. Okay. Is there anything else about story pins you feel like we should know? There's obviously sticking around. Do you have any other tips for us about those specifically? You know, I would just say, um, don't let the fear or the time constraint stop you do it at a time. Like if you have a project that you're working on, don't do it in the middle of a project, do it when you're watching TV, do it when you're having a little bit more downtime. Cause it doesn't take, um, as much work as you think and, uh, do it on desktop. It's really hard to do on mobile. So don't do it on mobile, do it on desktop. Yeah. That's great advice just to kind of save it for a time when you're just relaxing and not, it doesn't have to interfere with your normal work duties for the day because it really is like super easy and streamlined to do. And I'm trying to see what you wrote. Oh, do it ugly. As Kate says, I love that. Like (laughs) just do it. Even if it's garbage or garbage in your eyes, like just put some photos on there. And I bet a million dollars that you are going to get more traction than you could ever imagine because I have tested with this. I put a video, um, I did a video pin the other day and then I did a story pin close to each other. I created them. And within an hour, I was like, oh my gosh, so many people have looked at this and people were engaging. They were putting likes and comments and it was crazy. So it's kind of fun to experiment and see how much Pinterest is really, really wanting you to create these. Okay. So aside from story pins, we talked about video pins a little bit. Um, what is the ratio of video pins that we should put up? So you had a recommendation for story pins, video pins, if we can, is like one a week good? Yeah, I think one a week is great, especially if you're not, like if you're doing them on jump rope or you're doing them, you know, repurposing a TikTok or an Instagram story, I think that is perfectly acceptable. Um, I always tell people, your business has all these arms, like in Pinterest is just an arm. And there's email marketing, there's all these other things, right? A lot the time per week that you can in that arm, that's going to make it work for you. And one video per week is great. And as you test it over the month, go back and track it and see how many views it got. It won't get a lot of clicks too. That's the other thing as well as um, it does feel hard to click. So at the end, your closing slide, do the same thing you would as a story pin. Search XYZ if they've just watched the video. Because Pinterest food videos are a little bit like what we saw on Facebook a couple of years ago with the tasty style videos. You know, they're they're super poppy and they're like, oh, this is such a good idea. You want that same sentiment of, oh, that's genius. So thinking of the videos that will make people go, oh, yeah, I can make that. Yeah, 
okay, I'm going to click through their site and yeah. I'm going to make it. Something approachable, but also maybe something a little bit different that stands out. That's kind of what was the appeal on Facebook, I feel like, during that really sweet spot when everyone was devouring those tasty style videos. The ones that really did great were the ones that were like just a little bit unique that maybe started with, I don't know, some process that was just evoking curiosity, I think. So instead of just like the boring, you know, here's ground beef in a pan and (laughs) (laughs) you can exactly like the chicken breast that you were talking about. Here's a chicken breast laying on a cutting board. Like, ew. Yeah. (laughs) I think we're all over that. (laughs) Okay. So you've given us some great tips, Kate. I am excited to um, explore the brand thing, the brand tip that you recommended and some of the other things. Is there anything else just kind of overall general 2021 strategy for Pinterest that you want to mention before we start saying goodbye? Yeah, I would say as you, if you've been on Pinterest for a while and you look back at 2020, it's going to be really hard to compare your stats year over year. So give yourselves a lot of grace because you're not going to see the same peaks because, you know, we went to lockdown, it was March and food bloggers especially saw this explosion of traffic, especially if they had sourdough or bread or whatever, right? So I want you to think about that before you go into the year that if you see your traffic dropping, normalize it with what you saw last year and the year before, if you've been on Pinterest that long. If you are new to Pinterest and last year was your first year, you're going to have a really tough time comparing what your growth rates are. And so you want to get super clear on why you use Pinterest and what your goal is and stay focused on that. And, you know, I always use this example that for me, growing my email list using Pinterest is really important. So I'm not as concerned as with the number of traffic visits. I'm more concerned with conversions. And so if you are concerned with more traffic visits, what is the thing you need to do on your pin to get people to click and remain focused on that? And last, I would tell people, leave Facebook groups that make you feel really like you're not doing enough. And they talk about you know, this is what worked for me. This is how I'm growing. And you always are comparing yourself to those people. That's distracting. I see that a lot, especially in the Pinterest marketing community. Get out of the group, focus back on your business and make yourself a story pin. I guarantee the 30 minutes you spent in a Facebook group will be better spent 30 minutes creating a story pin. So just don't fall into that trap because there's going to be a lot of talk, I think this year about ups and downs and people who had growth and people who didn't have growth and It's just not productive. Yeah, that's such great advice. Take that time that you are spending maybe comparing yourselves to other people's accounts and go make a story pin. (laughs) I love it. It's just that simple. And you will see probably huge engagement immediately. Well, thank you, Kate, for being here. It was such a pleasure to talk to you again. I always appreciate all of the information that you have about Pinterest and just so lovely to talk to you. And thank you. Yep. Anytime. Happy to chat. We are going to put together a show notes page for you, Kate, and we'll put together everything that we've talked about today, all of the resources. Um, If anyone wants to go find that, it's at eblogtalk.com forward slash Kate all two. Kate, tell everyone where they can find you online. Yeah, you can go to simplepinmedia.com or you can listen to our podcast on any of the players. Just search Simple Pin Podcast. And I have to mention, I forgot to mention this, but you guys put out a Pinterest planner this year or 
before this yeah, year started. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I downloaded it. It's amazing. I was so impressed. I love it. You guys should go get that. Well, thanks again, Kate, for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.